Wow. Thank you. Am I there? Hello, 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 hello. Is it on mute? Hello. Can you hear me? There it is. Wow, thank you very much. Guys, we're really, we're really blown away by your, your generosity and your heart and your words and your welcome. And so thank you so much. Um, so my name is Dan and my beautiful wife, Ness, is here. And um, yeah, we pastor a church uh, here in Mount Barker called Glorify. And we're just really, really blessed to be here, really touched to be here. Um, and uh, I think it's, um, and I, I really want to honour you guys, um, Gary and Jane, just for inviting us. It's, um, you know, I, I love the fact that they, you know, came and said, hey, Dan, we want to, you know, have you speak here. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Um, there'd be many pastors who would be threatened by inviting a local, another local pastor uh, to come along. Um, and I think um, I just really love that. He's got a heart similar to us. Uh, both, both of them have a heart for us. And I, I, that was really revealed to me a number of years ago when uh, Ness and I went to Bethel for the first time. And, and uh, Gary said, right, Dan, I'm going to catch up with you. I just want to hear about it. I want to just receive. I want to you know, just hear what, what the Lord was doing, what, what's going on. And straight away then I went, this is a dude that I'm going to have a good heart connection with. And uh, this is, uh, you know, we share uh, common values, common passion. And, uh, and so I really... Just am thankful that you've invited us to speak. Hopefully, you don't have to correct um, all my um, heresies <laughs> next week. You know what Dan said last week? Well, we're just going <laughs> to do a bit of that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think it's just, I, I'm really excited about, um, you know, and, and I guess I share a similar, similar sentiment. Um, you know, if, if we weren't pastoring a church, we'd be telling everyone to come to Infuse. And we don't, um, and if I see you rock up at our church, I'll tell you to go back and, you know, sort stuff out here uh, and uh, you know I'll say no if you don't like it here you're gonna you're not gonna like it where we are um, <laughs> so uh, we've been doing glorify for for um, coming up to two years in February and um, we we love um, you know it was really uh, God's just been all over our pl- you know planning of this church and um, uh, you know why we started it and I remember a couple of years ago Ness and I sat down and we said right we're really feeling the stirring of the Lord just to, to bring, um, you know, we didn't feel like our ministry here in the region was over. Um, as you know, some of you may know, I was pastoring another church here in the area. And we just felt like the Lord saying, no, this is, there's still more to be done. There's still, you've still got a, a place within this um, kingdom landscape. And, uh, and so we sort of said, oh, what are we, you know, we going to call ourselves? Um, you know, what is, what is, you know, do we call ourselves the... The, we didn't know. It was just a mystery. And so, but it was really amazing that the Lord sort of just revealed our heart and said, hey, you know, what are you passionate about? I'm like, well, I'm passionate about worship. I'm passionate about, you know, bringing glory to you. I'm passionate about your presence. And, and the Lord said, well, glorify. And I'm like, oh, well, that's what we like to do. That's what we're passionate about doing. Let's just call it, let's, that'll be the name of our church, uh, glorify. And we, we did a Google search and we went, no one else has called their church glorify in the whole world. And... Um, we, you know, we registered glorify.com and glorify.org and glorify.org.au and all these websites. And, and um, so we were just like, right, Lord, that's a really, that's a really good thing. So we love, we love at Glorify, we love the presence of God. We love worship. We do a lot of music and uh, a lot of singing and carry on and all those fun things. And so when Gary uh, asked me to come and preach, I said, oh, right, what am I going to preach on? Um, and again, the Lord just said, what are you passionate about, Dan? Um, you know, share your heart. So I went, right, I'm going I'm to preach on worship. I'm going to preach on, on the presence of God. So you ready for that? Yeah. 
Oh, that's good. Well, let's do one little thing before we do it. Let's just all stand up together. Um, Richard Foster wrote a book called A Celebration of Discipline. It's a really great book about getting yourself into um, some good spiritual practices, and it's really healthy. Um, and he, he has this one practice that he calls hands up, hands down prayer. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Um, but what I want you to do, I want you to start with your hands down. So palms up, hands down. And so what we're going to do is say, Lord God, we just pray now just that we would be releasing, releasing anything that we're holding on to that is going to stop us from hearing your word. We just release that right now. So just in your, in your mind, just picture those things falling from you. It may be stress, it may be financial worries, it may be sinfulness, it may be um, you know, anger, bitterness, frustration. But for this moment right now, we just say, just release those things. We don't hold on to those things at all, Jesus. We don't hold on to these things. We just let them fall to the ground. Hmm. Now I just want you to just turn your, your palms up, hands up. Now we receive Holy Spirit. <laughs> we receive, we want to receive the things that you want for us. These are the things that we want to hold on to. So Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, right now, just, just download to us. Just place into our hands. Some of you may be feeling something physically, almost t- you know, tangibly touching you. You might feel a warmth or a, or a sensation in your hands as the Holy Spirit just comes and just downloads and releases himself. So we have hands up, Lord, to receive and to embrace everything you have for us. So, Lord God, we just, we just pray right now that we would have hearts to receive all that you have. Having released all that we don't need to have, we receive all that you want for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Back again. Anyone get any, any feelings, any sensations, any tingling in the hands, some things over there? These people over here, you're going to get them to pray for you at the end of the service, all right? I'm serious. You, if the Lord's placing something on you, then you just got to release that. And that's one of my passions. I talk a little about this at Glorify. We talk about a word that I'm pretty certain I invented called throughput. Okay? It's not input and it's not output. You can't have throughput without input. You can't have throughput without output. And so what we need to do is as we receive, we've got to give. That's how we're called to operate. So if you're getting something from Jesus, don't just go, yes, look at me. I've got it all together. I'm good. I've got, my, I've got my blessing. I'm filled up. No problems. The Lord fills so that he can release. You know, that's what he does. And so I just love, just, you know, I was part of a church many years ago, and some of our friends of ours were here, were part of a church many years ago, and it's about a lot of giving. It was a lot of giving. So, you know, missional and got to do this, and got to give, got to go action, got to do this. And I realized I got... I got really, really burnt out and dry because I felt like I was giving so much. And so then the Lord said to me, you, you know what? You can never burn out if you operate in a, in a state of overflow. You can never run dry if you're always overflowing. You know? And so as we receive, as we say, Jesus, give me more, give me more, my cup fills up and then it overflows. And then what happens? The water, you know, if, if I was pouring, you know, my, my, gla- my water here into a cup... It'd overflow, and if I just keep pouring, it'd flow down here onto your nice carpet. If I keep pouring, it'll wind up here, and pretty soon you'll be, you know, in some water and wet and moisture. And if I keep pouring, we're getting whacked over here, and it's going to keep pouring. And you know what? That water's going to go flowing out the door. It's going to go down the street. 
It's going to touch different people. As we receive it, it's going to go. So I don't care if you go, I just want more and more of God. I don't care. I'm like, yeah, go for that. You know, some people have a go. They, they call me, you know, oh, you're all about bless me, bless me, bless me. I'm like, yeah. But I'm, I, I, w- I would never say bless me without a desire to bless someone else. So receive it, receive it. Don't be afraid to just go, yep, I'm going to take more and more and more. But don't hold on to it because then you just become fat. You know, if you just, you're, just, you're a bit like a balloon that's getting poured in. It just gets big. You've got to, you've got to release it and operate. But that's not what I'm preaching about, but that's just what I started talking about. That's right. Righto. Well, I love the Lord's Prayer. Anyone like the Lord's Prayer? There's a lot in it. I'm not going to preach on the Lord's Prayer. I just want to just touch on a couple of things. This is going to launch us into what I want to preach on. If you've got your Bibles, turn to, um, uh, we're going to 2 Samuel chapter 6. You can stick your fingers in there. The Lord's Prayer starts, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We've heard that phrase before. Next line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love just that, that opening stanza to the Lord's Prayer. You know, we acknowledge where God is. We acknowledge with reverence who He is. We bring this word called hallowed, which I'll, that's what I want to talk into. But coming out of hallowed, coming out of reverence and prayer, we come into this place of, Lord, we're about living for you. We're about having heavenly priorities here on earth. You know? So hallowed, this word, means respected or revered. And so, as this Lord's Prayer sort of says, you know, our Father and our, who is in heaven, we get into this connection, this presence place. The prayer instructs us in an intentional order to uphold the name of God. We say, Jesus, we want to connect with you. Father, we want to connect with you. Now, I uphold. I say hallowed. I say praise. I say you are to be respected. We should long for his name, his character, all of those things to have top place in the world and in our hearts. We want to make him number one. And we want to operate out of a place and a position of worship and, uh, and, and adoration. And, um, you know, if we jump to the you know, book of Revelation, it's pretty obvious when you look at what heaven's going to look like, there's going to be a bit of praise and worship. People agree? Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is, if you don't like long songs, don't go to heaven. <laughs> okay? It's not the place for you. If you don't like to sing, if you don't like to worship, you know, heaven's not going to be the best of places because we are going to do that for eternity. <laughs> I'm keen for that. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you ever drop in to glorify, we do worship and we, sometimes, we overdo worship sometimes. No, you can never overdo worship. We just love singing. We love it. We sing for an hour. We just, you know, praise Him. It's good. And we just think, and, you know, some people come to us and say, oh, yeah, worship was a bit long. I'm like, oh, yeah. Just imagine what heaven's going to be like. What a drag. <laughs> mm. So, worship. This, this, this. You know, this is going to be part of our our, our character, part of our, our function when it comes to heaven. And uh, as that Lord's prayer says, "On earth as it is in heaven." Bill Johnson says, "The more we live as citizens of heaven." the more heaven's activities infect our lifestyles. The more that we become, you know, a, 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 a passionate pursuer of God's perfect plan called his kingdom, as we 
pursue that because we know that his kingdom is perfected in heaven. You know, if God's going to get anything right, I'm pretty certain he's going to get heaven right. Our eternity, that's what it's going to look like. We know there's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's a lot of worship, there's a lot of favor, there's, there's, there's connection, there's heart connection. This is what heaven looks like. And he says to us, make that a part of earth. You know, so make this... this this, this perfection of God, part of what we do. So the more that we, we pursue that and we go, I'm a citizen of heaven, I'm a son and I'm a daughter, heaven's activities infect our lifestyle. So worship is what I want to focus on. I want to just, you know, really just, just stir some, some passionate expression. And, and when I say worship, I don't just mean singing. I mean about an engagement with the presence that just stirs something in us that goes, oh, I love it. And that might come out in singing. It might come out in painting. It might come out in service or whatever. You know, whatever that is, that, that, that your passion for, for heaven, passion for the presence overflows within you and, it, and there's an expression of that. When we look at real life, when we look at, you know, the situations, you know, we look around, who's, who's a you know, football supporter here? Anyone been to the footy lately? Well, not lately, it's all over, you know. A few footy people. You know what, you go to the footy, you know what you see? You see lots of passion. Anyone seen a, you know, a, a um, you know, Port Power you know, supporter who just sits there all bored and, you know, no, there's like spit and coming out of their mouths and there's, there's drooling and all these things like, ah, come the power! And there's just stuff happening like this. And, you know, they are passionate people and they just don't, they don't, they don't mind their, the, the physical <laughs> nature of themselves tra- changing because of their passion. <laughs> you know, the world has, is in touch with lots of passion and in, in touch with this desire for, for energy. Sometimes we come to church, I don't know about you, I know I do, even, even at Glorify, I come to church and I go, yeah, it's jeepers, I'm tired. Jeepers, oh, yeah, they're singing the songs again. We sung this one last week. Why are we doing this one? <laughs> You know, and sometimes we just go, no, nah, I'm just going to come and my expression of God's just going to be, you know, like this. Yep, I'm coming to church and you know what, there's lots of things going on, but that's all right. I'm just going to, this is praise to Jesus. You know, we don't, we, sometimes we don't allow ourselves just to, to get to a place of, of absolute joy and excitement about what God's doing. You know, the presence of God. <laughs> the presence of God, it should be totally just transforming us. Mm, and I think that if we, uh, you know, miss out on some of that connection with passion, connection with, with, with God, we actually can get out of touch, get out of touch with God. And, you know, we get out of touch with, with the world as well, you know. And so I want us to stir into this this. Um, deep desire to embrace the presence of God. And that's what I want us to, to go with today. And um, I want to, so turn, open your Bibles, Second Samuel chapter 6. If you know you've, got, you've had your finger in there, I probably should use some Bible. We're going to have a look at a fellow who I absolutely love. His name is King David. And... Um, you know what? I love David for a number of reasons. And, um, you know, some people, you know, we will all have a different perspective of King David. You know, so I'll ask, oh, what, you know, if you had to describe David, what, what words would you use? And some people would say, oh, he was a womanizer. Some people might say, oh, he was a, 
he was a poet. Some people might say, oh, he was a, he was a warrior. Some people might say, oh, he was a, um, you know, he was a, uh, you know, and we know that the classic line, he was a man that had the heart for God, you know, passionate heart for God. Hopefully, the, maybe the womanizer stuff we don't want to embrace, but the, you know, David was just, had this amazing gamut of response. You know, he was, he was a man's man. You know, he, he was the bloke that you wanted leading your army because you know he was going to get involved and get there. He didn't mind getting his hands dirty. He didn't mind fighting. We, you know, we hear the stories of David, how he, you know, defeated men with, you know, the jawbone of an ox or... Was that David? It might have been Samuel. Um, and, you know, he was a warrior. But then he had this just tenderness to him. When you read through some of the Psalms, you just go, jeepers, this is a man that knows his emotions. And that's why I think, oh, I really like that. I like David, and I want us to just look at a little bit of him. And so putting it into context, this passage, um, uh, we know that David was appointed king. He was um, you know, the second king of Israel, uh, the first king being Saul. Uh, David was this, this second king of Israel. The, um, the Israelites were promised the, uh, the promised land, were given the, you know, Canaan. Uh, they went in, they started taking, taking possession. That was an, it's an interesting thing, you know, like this is just another, another, another aside sermon. When the Israelites came into Canaan, uh, they, um, it wasn't an easy, it wasn't like, here you go, here's your bounty right here. They had to actually fight for it. There was lots of battles that they had to do, they had to take control. There was different armies, you know, we know the stories of going around Jericho and different things, and we know Caleb went to the hill country and did all this stuff. They had to fight for it. So when David comes into Jerusalem here, what he'd been doing, he'd, this is almost the final, the final possession um, they'd, the Israelites had started and they'd occupied Jerusalem. They'd finally got to this one section of land and said, right, this is it. We've, we've taken over. So David, this is, you know, they've just established Jerusalem as, and, and David said, this is going to be the centre of our land, our nation, where we are. So David is, um, you know, setting about bringing sort of a sense of order to this city that he's just, you know, taken uh, possession of. And his heart goes, right, what do I need to make sure is, it, is in the nation's capital? He said, right, I need the Ark of the Covenant. And it was, uh, it was taken during one of the battles uh, with the Philistines and it was taken possession and David managed to get it back and said, right, I want to get the Ark of the Covenant into our, nation, our capital, into where we're going to be. And we know the Ark of the Covenant was... This box had a few scrolls in there, had some stone tablets, a bit of bread, stick, different things. And, um, uh, and then we you know the cherubim that sits, sits atop the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. I say just beneath, between those cherubim were, um, uh, was the mercy seat of God. And that's where they said the presence of God rested. When they were in, uh, uh, wandering around the desert, they, um, they had the tabernacle. And that was in the very center of their encampment. And in the center of the tabernacle was the ark. Um, and on the ark of the covenant, that's where God came and presenced himself. And so David goes, this is going to be our nation's capital. I want the presence of God right in the middle of it. And so I think when I read this story, I think about our own situation here in this community, in our strive for renewal, in our strive for revival, you know, both our churches have got a, 
a, a process of seeking God, renewing our intimacy with Him, and ushering in the presence. And in a lot of ways, we are taking, you know, I want us to take this land like David took this last bit of land and the thing he says is, right, I've got to bring the presence in. I've got to bring this in. And this scripture aids us in this process. So let's read 2 Samuel chapter 6 from verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me, I've been a little bit sick out in Jesus' name. So David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Balah of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill, on the hill. Uzar and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs of harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor, in verse 6 of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Let's just pause here for a second. Does anyone read this and just go, jeepers? <laughs> that sucked. That was terrible. What was, you know, like, what was all that about God? What was going on there? What was wrong with Uzar and, you know, what he was trying to do? He could, he, he, you know, there was, there was worship going on. It was a party. There was things happening. And Azar's just part of it. And it's like, whoa, 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 watch out what's going on. He was trying to, you know, help out. And, the, and Scripture says that he was irreverent. Irreverent. But it's an interesting kind of irreverence. Sometimes when we think of irreverence, we might think of, you know, stupidity and, you know, I'm, I'm going to put somebody down or whatever. But his irreverence was different. He wasn't giddy or stupid. He was overly responsible. His irreverence was that he tried to be responsible for God. He tried to go, hang on, I need to manage the presence. <laughs> I, need to, I need to actually do something here. And God's like, dude, seriously, do you know who you're talking to? I don't think he used the word dude. Okay, that's, that's not in Scripture. All right. um, he said, do you know who you're talking to here? I'm, you know, this is the presence of God. I'm God. You think I need your help? And so God went, ah, dude, bam. I don't know how if he exploded or uh, <laughs> what happened, but he, 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 he died. We don't need to focus on any of those things. So he tried to rescue God. He tried to manage the presence of God. And I think there's, there's a time that we can do that in our worship, in our expression, that we go, well, we've got to make sure it's, it's managed well. Everything needs to be proper in its place, you know, all of those things. And I, I've said to our worship team, I said, you know what, I don't mind if it gets messy. I don't mind if, if it goes on for ages. I don't mind these things. And I know that's similar here. You guys go, no, we don't mind. 
And I noticed on, you know, I like this, you know, all times are appropriate, approximate, and used as a guide only. At no time do we want to quench what the Spirit of God is doing in our services. You know, I love it. That's what we want. We don't want to manage it. So we go, right, here we go. Jesus, you've got 15 minutes, by the way. And uh, you, better, you better get cracking. Uh, no, we go, you know what? We are not, we're not going to manage God. But sometimes we can sort of just have that approach. We go, oh, we've got to get things ordered. And, then, and when you think about it, when you look at this little passage, there's a number of ways that Uzar was, you know, stuffing up. Did you notice anything, you know, that shouldn't have been happening in that little thing there? About the, you know, what? There was a stumbling oxen. What, were the, what, was the, what was the ark sitting on? Absolutely. The ark was sitting on a, on a cart. And can you remember, you know, how was the ark meant to be carried? On shoulders of the priest, between poles on shoulders of the priest. And this is just a beautiful thing about God. His presence rests on the shoulders of men. Not on a new cart. Not on, you know, getting pulled by an oxen. And remember where they were. Where, where were they bringing it? They were bringing it from Philistine country. So probably a new cart was built by somebody there, put the presence of God onto this new thing, probably, you know, could have been built by a Philistine. Who, who knows? But the presence of God, there was no reverence in there. There was no connection and obedience. You know, it, it was this, it was all just a mess. The whole thing was a mess. <laughs> You know, Uzzah, you know, he's like, well, come on. The shoulders of men, it's a long way to travel to Jerusalem. You know, let's put it on a cart. Let's do that. That's a new thing. You know, it's got wheels. It's all really good. Let's, uh, let's do that. And sometimes, you know, in our worship, it doesn't always have to be about new things as well. You know, we can just approach the Lord and just say, you know, God, I've come to you with this song that's been in my heart for 30 years. And I've sung it over and over and over again. It just touches who I am. And Lord, I bring you praise. That's awesome. So critic, and you know, and I think, you know, in the midst of this, there were some good things. We see that David, they were they were like trying to bring some worship into it. And that's critical. I think David knew that as the presence of God came in, we have to be, you know, just bathed in worship. John Wesley says, it's not new things we need, but new fire. That's good there. Thank you, JW. Mm. And I think we just have to continue to remind ourselves that this is the presence of God that we are dealing with. This isn't something to be managed. This is something to be revered. This is something to, to allow to stir our heart and our soul. So let's... Move on. We've got a czar. He's dead. We're leaving him back there. So verse 8. Then David was angry. He didn't know. David was confused, I suspect, because the Lord's wrath had broken out against his czar. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzar. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. This is really cool. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. The presence of God brings about blessing. The presence of God is, it, it transforms whole situations. <laughs> and so 
Here it is, three months. David was confused. He's like, God, I'm trying to bring this thing in to the Jerusalem. You're just like striking people down. What's going on? And then so David hears about it. Verse 12, now David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of the Lord, of God. So David's like, oh, hello. I better go down and check this out. So David went down and went, right, I'm going to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. And while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. A few things have changed in that situation. There was worship again, but they were carrying the ark of the Lord, weren't they? I think they, he must have pulled out... Uh, you know, his, uh, his uh, Bible and went, oh, that's right, that's what it said right there. The priest may have reminded him, this is how we handle and deal with the presence of God. We need to, you know, we have, we have joy, we have celebration, we have worship, we have reverence as well. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, verse 16, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They bought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. They hadn't built the temple by, uh, at this point, obviously. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And after he'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites. There was just blessing he's given gifts he's like right the presence of god here it stirs in me to do something i'm gonna just we're gonna keep celebrating god is here he's in this place let's worship let's worship in song and praise and dance and all those things but let's let's be generous let's hand out things this is how the the presence of god should be transforming our worship and all the people went home to, uh, back home and so david still in this heart keen to bless goes back to his, home, his household. Michal, uh, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls and of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. I don't think she said it like that. I think there was probably a real lot of sarcasm in her voice. You know, this is one of the only... I don't, I'm not a big fan of sarcasm, but I'm pretty confident she was being sarcastic here. You know... Oh, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Disrobing, hmm? In the sight of the slave girls, mate. <coughs> and David, his response says to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. A little bit harsh there, Dave, but anyway. Or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I, and I love this verse. I'll use it so many times. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by the slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. David himself said, you know what? I'm not going to let managing God, I'm not going to let your pride, I'm not going to let all of those things change who I am. And this is a really important thing, church, just for us as we come into worship. And I think this is you know, a great lesson is... We just give each other permission. I don't know whether it happens here. Sometimes it happens in Glorify and where I've been. 
But, you know, we're like, right, I'm keen to just worship God. I'm getting here and I sit next to my friend and he's just there like this. Jesus, we praise you. And I go, um, we do little sideways glances. I go, what's that dude over there doing? Oh, he's not really, he's not really getting into it. Oh, I'll, I'll better, I better restrict myself. But David's ha- attitude, he just goes, eh, I don't care. And, you know, we can, sometimes we can't always do that. Sometimes we do, you know, that's like, we feel like a little bit insensitive. But how do we get the same response? Then we, if we say, I give you permission to worship God however you want to worship. If you want to strip down to your jocks and dance around the church, come, come to glorify. We're all about jocks. And really think that one through. <laughs> you know what? What's today's version of a Lyndon Ford? I don't know. You know, let's if we give each other permission to to worship wholeheartedly, unashamed. You know, that's so important. And you know, we can do we do it. We might do it physically. We might, you know, when, that per- when we gather here and before the service, you might just turn to the person next to you and you say, you just go for it. You have an awesome day today. I don't care what you do. Just bless you. Just have a great time in worship. And it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's an encouragement. You know, the, um, we, we said to strengthen, encourage, and comfort in our words. We speak in this declaration. We say, just go. You just have an awesome time with Jesus. You know? And so we, do, we can do that. We can actually say those words. It's not, and I give you permission to say those words. It's okay. And it, we should, you know, in a, in a good culture of honor, we'll receive those words. We go, yeah, great. Thank you, Jesus. I get to do I get to worship. Not do whatever I want, but I get to worship. To so give each other permission to just be unashamedly worship. You know, if that, you know we, have, we encourage our, our children um, at Glorify. They just get, you know, get into it. If anyone's been to any of our services or conferences and stuff, the kids just, just run around, they wave flags, they've got these little things. You know, they're just getting into it. We want to say, start right from the word go with our kids. And we say, you know what? You express yourself to Jesus, whatever that looks like. And that's why I love having artists as well in, in, uh, in worship, you know, up the front, because it, it's a cool thing. It looks pretty funky. You know, you see some person. But it's, it says this powerful statement. It says, you know what? We give permission for you to worship however that you want. If that's painting, paint. If it's dancing, dance. If it's flag waving, wave flags. If it's stripping down to your undies, go to glorify. You know, <laughs> we, we give you permission to do that. You can still do it, just not here. No. You know, so I, I, I think that's just these, these really bold statements that we can make, both with our words, certainly with our heart, and practically with ministries. We just say, we love connecting with the presence of God. We are excited if you do as well. You know, I love in your vision statement or your mission statements, encounter follows encounter. <laughs> that's good. You know, and that's a statement we want to say, you know, we want you to encounter the presence of God, not just once. We want it over and over again. Encounter follows encounter. Grace upon grace. Fullness upon fullness. This is how the Lord operates. We want to go, yeah, we're all for it. So here we are. We have these couple of situations. What's wrong with Mikhail's worship? She was too proud. She allowed pride to come into her. 
And not only would she, would, she didn't dance, but she had a go at somebody else for dancing. Mikhail seems to think that the chief end of humanity is not to glorify God and enjoy Him forever and to celebrate His presence, but to uphold one's own reputation. That's what she was trying to do. And she was trying to guard it. Remember, this is the presence of God. We don't have to be the safekeepers of God's reputation. If somebody's gone crazy here, we say, you know what? Cool. God's going to look after it. And I, and, I, and I say this to our, our guys at Glorify. As we encourage and promote a culture of freedom, we will see the crazies come out. Yeah. We'll have people that will do all sorts of weird things. And we have people that shake and they run and they do things that are on the floor and they go. But you know what? Within a culture of love and honour, yeah. if that gets a bit out of hand, we just say, hey, we love you. This is awesome. But you're like distracting people. <laughs> you know, you were like dancing in someone's face and, you know, it's, we don't want to do that. But we have love and honour. We release them and we say, yep, we want freedom to be high. Um, and, you know, and we'll, when, we, when things go a bit crazy, that's okay. We'll deal with it. But sometimes we get fearful of the crazy and it changes us. We go, oh, let's, we better not, we, we don't even want to go there. We like to stay well clear of of that sort of expression. Whereas we go, nah, let's just, let's just embrace it and see what happens. I'm pretty certain God's going to look after us. Yeah. As we embrace his presence, he's not going to sort of then, you know, all of a sudden the walls are going to start coming down at an infused church. As we embrace freedom and we, and we say, go for it, the Lord will protect, the Lord will, will look after us. And so Mikhail, at a great personal cost, teaches us another invaluable lesson about God. God is not the safekeeper of our reputations. God is not aghast by any outbursts of fervor. Our role on this earth, be it prophet, king, priest, homemaker, whatever, is not to keep ourselves from embarrassment. We must come before the king dignified, undignified, robed or disrobed in the presence of the elite or in the company of slave girls and worship with all our might. Embrace the presence with all our might. And we take hold of it and we, we, we make it a very, you know, draw it very close to our core. And I say, oh, I just want this with all my might. And yes, I'm prepared to release it with all my might as well, throughput. So we've got Uzzah, he's dead. There's Mikhail, we see in this inscription that she's, she's made barren. And in the middle of it all, there's David, legend. He's got some, you know, backwards and forwards, and he's stuffed up here and stuffed up there. That's okay. But he, re, he um, uh, resets his attitude a number of times. You see it all throughout. David goes, ah, oh, that was dumb. Let's go back. I've got to change this. Now I do this. Dis- I won't disrobe. <laughs> uh and David sees it as a moment of moments. He sees that this, that this one thing that he does is going to be so defining in his whole career, for want of a better word. You know, as his, as his role as a leader, he says, there's nothing more important that I can do right now than to express my passion and connection with God in unbridled freedom. It's Jesus. Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. <laughs> David sees it's a moment of moments. You know, to seek the presence, to seek the kingship of God over his life 
and, and not just over his life. Like David does it, you know, he does it for himself, absolutely, but he does it for his people as well. He says, I'm bringing the king, I'm bringing the presence into this place because I've got a heart for those. I want those around me to encounter it. You know, so I, I suck it in. I dance, I praise, I go, right, Jesus, give me all of this. For me, yes, absolutely, but I'm hoping it's going to rub off on people around me. And they're going to go, yeah, well, let's just go for it. <laughs> and I love it. You know, David strips down. There's no need for the priestly robes, all of these things. He says, all of this stuff will go. The flowers of the fields are more, have more splendor than kings, he says. My good, good friend Matt Baird, who's ha- hanging out with Jesus in heaven, once pointed out to me that if anyone could actually get away with a half-baked expression of worship, it was probably David. He had, like, you know, he had the power, had the authority. You know, people would have looked and said, no, that's all right, he's the king. It's okay. We can, you know, we can worship crazy. But you know, he could have got away with it. But you know what he said? No way. No way, I'm going to be a leader that says, let's go for it, let's do it, let's dance, let's do whatever. He realized he must give God his all. He understood that he needed the presence of God in his life and he wanted the the presence of God ushering in the presence to the Israelites for their lives as well. So Uzzah sees this gilded box, sees this thing that was just something that was meant to be managed and controlled. Mikhail sees an undressed, middle-aged, slightly flabby, dancing husband, something to be ashamed of. But David, he sees the presence of God. And he says, the presence of God is going to be what transforms everything. Transforms everything. It transformed the house of Obed-Edom. It's going to transform Jerusalem. It's going to transform my life. And I'm going, to, I'm going to take that. I'm going to hold of it. And you know what I'm going to do in that process? I'm going to worship. So as we embrace the presence of God, say this is going to be a transforming thing for my life, my family, my friends, my neighbors, we have to do that with worship. We do that with praise. We do it with exuberant joy, with with, with fun, with laughter, with song, with dance, with art, whatever. David sees the presence of God and he responds to that with praise. And I wonder what we see when we come to worship. How do we respond? I want to just right now, and I thought it would be fun to, um, to just, you know, how do we respond to something like that? Well, maybe we should spend some time in worship. We say, Jesus, let's, I just want to connect with your heart. Yeah. So I'm, is it okay if I sing you a song and we do some, you know, you're keen to worship? I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to say to them, I give you permission to worship however you want. <laughs> now, I don't... Now, I don't know if you know this song. I, think, I don't know whether you do, because um, I think Shane had to put it in the computer. But it's really simple. And um, I, just, I really love it. It's by a band called um, All Sons and Daughters. And I'm a bit sick, so hopefully, you know, we'll rock it, rock it out. Thanks. Um, 